Hey everybody and welcome to episode 5 of El Vanilo, the podcast that looks at the greatest albums of all time and the history around it. My name is Matt and this is Adam. Hi Adam, are you doing okay? Hi there, yeah, not too bad, you doing okay? I'm doing alright, I'm doing alright, yeah, it's a beautiful day mm. where we are and we're doing an early morning recording, so it's, it's not that early, but we're doing a morning recording, so it feels nice. It, it's not that early, but I have <laughs> just woke up. <laughs> it's 10 past 11, but there, right. <laughs> you know, so just to uh, give it all away, but uh, there we go. And so this week's album is Tommy by The Who from 1969, and it is something different. Um, it is a different kind of album. So we're going to get into that. We're going to compare it to uh, Harry Styles' new album, latest album. And so I'm pretty excited to talk about that as well. But before we get to that, uh, Adam, how has your week been? How has lockdown been? I think I was counting. I think I'm eight weeks in. I'm not entirely sure how long I'm into it because I locked down. Locked down? There we go. Locked Uh, down. I don't know what the what the words are. Um, I did it later than you. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's been same as usual. It's just another week, isn't it? They all blare into one. They do. They do a little bit, don't they? Did Did you listen to any of the uh, the playlist we put together? I, I did. I did. That um Bob, Bob Seger song, Catman Do. That is old school. Yeah, it's got a bit of a Chuck Berry kind of. Um, it's got the. The, the Chuck Berry solo, the Johnny B. Good one that everyone yeah. rips off. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it is a bit old school. Bob Seger is, is self is a bit old school. What I like about that song is when he goes low, it sounds a lot like, and I've forgotten his name, George Ezra. Oh, George it's like Ezra. the spit of George Ezra for some reason, but then he, he mm. hits those high notes and it's, uh, it's all good I'll again. Check that out. Yeah. And you know what else? Black Velvet. Oh, what a tune. It's a proper tune. It's a pro- it's so sick. It's mm-hmm. got like so much swag to it. It's one of the best songs ever, isn't it? Like it's special. When I listen to Smooth Radio in the shower because it's the best radio station, that song always comes on and uh, it fills my heart with a lot of joy. Oh, there's an exclusive right there. Smooth Radio in the shower. Absolutely. It's wow. the only one. I've never listened to Smooth Radio. That shows you the difference between our musical tastes, I think. <laughs> but Black Velvet, oh my goodness. The runs in it are incredible. Like every instrument, the bass line, oh my goodness. Oh. Just the most solid drums as well. It is, oh, yeah. it is. I realised how much you were into a ballad when I listened to your half of the playlist. <laughs> you <laughs> love a ballad. It's um, it's all ballads. Ballads and love songs, in, Amazing. in my opinion. Um, but yeah. So you're... you're you're very laid back. That's what I learned about your very chill music taste. It's very chill. It's very let's just relax in the moment. And I remember because we shared a room, and I remember you've always been into that kind of laid back music when you with your whale music that you used to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I really like Ross. ambient music. Mm. I I'm gonna uh, record an ambience album, Adam. I'm kind of I'm kind of like three tracks into it, and okay. n- nobody's gonna listen to it, but I'm gonna love to. I just love recording it and putting it together. So. It's very relaxing. Mm. But yeah. And I just want to mention some big news this week. Um, Murder Most Foul, the Bob Dylan song that I put on there, the 17-minute song, Mm. Bob Dylan announced that he was going to be releasing a new album this week, which you told me about and sent me a link. And I am so pumped for it. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. And this is his first album in uh, eight years. That isn't covers. Okay. Yeah, so original be, material. Be interesting to see what he has to say about the world. Mm, yeah, definitely. And he's been in this kind of like crooner style for the last couple of albums. So I wonder if he's going to keep that or mm. going to move away from it. But uh, but there you go. So it's, a, you know, even in lockdown, hopefully we're com- coming towards the end of it, not losing our minds too much. And. There's good stuff coming, so that's really good. So, uh, this album, Tommy, uh, by The Who, we've already looked at an album from 1968, which was the Zombies album, Uh, and so now we're a year later in 1969, so some of the themes that we're going to talk about may sound a bit familiar, but Adam, give us some context and history to 1969. So obviously it's the end of the swinging 60s, um, 
and I would say it's probably one of the decades that changed the world the most uh, in terms of popular culture, um, which then transcended everyday life, really. Um, we've seen a lot of young people become more passionate and radicalized about important issues. Um, obviously, the human rights, civil rights movement, uh, Greenpeace, all these things are all like coming out of this, this decade. Um, and because of that, art, culture, music, they've kind of captured these feelings really, really well. Um, so it's been an important decade and this is this is the final hurrah of it. Um, and it's a really significant year in terms of music events, uh, specifically multiple significant live music events that really changed kind of what live music looks like. Um, so starting off with, of course, The Beatles, as we always do. Come on. Uh, the Beatles give their final performance along with Billy Preston on the rooftop of the Apple Building. Um, that's in line with their album Let It Be, which they record. Um, John Lennon's famous line at the end of it, um, on behalf of myself and the group, I want to thank you all and I hope we pass the auditions. Brilliant line. Um, so yeah, that's their final. Imagine, I always think about this, imagine being in work in the middle of London, it's like a financial district, and then you just hear this music really loud coming from somewhere. You go up to the roof of your building and there's this group that you started the decade with just playing you've not seen them live for years they've not played live since what, 67 or something like that incredible i think i'd take an extended lunch break or i quit my job there and then just be like i'm just watching these guys and and the beatles like there is a whole like waves of people who have never seen them live because they don't do that anymore they're a studio band at this point and actually you know i love the album let it be naked uh mm. great beatles album um, but if you look into it, and it's got like this audio, um, like documentary thing that goes with it, and you just realize, wow, <laughs> they were in a bit of a, they weren't in the best place, you know. But they, but part of them was still just releasing this amazing genius stuff, as well. So, uh, so that's what the Beatles were doing, and and they obviously brought out a lot of good music around that time, didn't they? Abbey Road came out, Let It Be came out. Uh, so good <laughs> just um, we may reference them uh, we will talk about the Beatles every week it seems <laughs> but I think this year it's really important to talk about them and um, when talking about Tommy uh, by the whom so going on to, to more live music events in July the Atlanta International Pop Festival um, which has approximately 100,000 attendees um, went to Atlanta to see acts including Janis Joplin, Joe Cocker, Led Zeppelin, uh, and Creedence Clearwater Revival. And then in August, it's the big one, Woodstock. Yes. The Woodstock Music Festival. Around 500,000 people attended. They think possibly more because some people might have just turned up. Um, but yeah, 500,000 to watch acts such as Ravi Shankar, um, who actually is the father of Nora Jones. Uh, he taught... I didn't uh, know George that. Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Wow. She is she is something Nora Joan Shankar. I can't remember her first name, but yeah. Wow, I didn't um, know that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um also Santana, The Grateful Dead. Oh, the Grateful Dead. The Grateful I'm Dead. I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. You're a deadhead. I'm a deadhead now. Yeah, I am deadhead. now. I always thought the Grateful Dead were like this heavy late seventies rock yeah, me metal too. band, but they're not. They're like this real laid back um stoner group. It's great. They're the best. Um, Sly and the Family Stone appear, F favourites of the uh, of the podcast. Uh, Jefferson Airplane before they become Jefferson Starship or whatever they turn into. <laughs> um, the Who appear. Obviously, we're going to talk about them. And then, of course, Jimi Hendrix plays Woodstock. He does that famous American national anthem on the guitar, and that just blows people away. And Jimi Hendrix just just soars. Mm. Uh, other big events such as the Toronto Rock and Roll Revival. Um, and I believe on the Toronto Rock and Roll Revival, John Lennon goes with the Plastic Ono Band, and I think he hires Eric Clapton and a few other people, and they don't have time to practice, so they practice on the plane mm. going there. Oh, wow. So it's all these real famous musicians on the plane just practicing, like, come together and all that. Nice. Which is incredible. And I read something about that, that, mm. that this was the first time that John Lennon had played live with anybody that wasn't the Beatles in this decade. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? In 10 years... Virtually. It's quite it's quite an amazing thing, the fact that he going out on his own without his partner Paul McCartney and obviously George Harrison and Ringo Starr backing him backing them up. But to be he spent a decade 
with the same person in Paul. And you can understand why they kind of fall out and, and have this big, because to spend a decade with someone on top of each other, sharing your thoughts through music, which are some quite vulnerable times with some of the songs that they write. Um, yeah, incredible. And apparently on the way back from that trip, he decided that he was going to leave the Beatles. And so we know that Paul McCartney was the person that left first, but mm. um, really that was a bit of a... Um a way of selling his album really yeah <laughs> um, but actually john lennon had decided like i'm not doing this anymore I, I don't know whether that's true or not but that's the story that goes around about that uh, some of the quick events that happened in 69 uh, man went to the moon so on the 20th of july the apollo 11 mission with neil armstrong and edwin buzz aldrin became the first humans to set foot on the moon it's incredible. That project to put man on the moon was started all the way back in 1961 when President JFK asked Congress for $531 million wow. to put man on the moon before the end of the decade. And they did it. And they did it. Obviously, it was all to do with the space race against the Russians, the uh, the Soviet Union. I've got a question before we get there, hasn't Oh, go on. Go on. I just want a one-word answer. Okay. Do you believe the moon landing was a conspiracy? Yes. There we go. Moving on. <laughs> I feel like I need to add more detail. You can't just give me a one word. Go on. Get one, one word. Not one word. Sentence. One sentence. One sentence. We got to the moon as humans eventually, but it was not in 1969, in my opinion. What year do you think it was? I don't know. Probably in like the oh, mid-70s. Okay. Right. One of the other missions. Possibly the second mission, which was in like 1970 or something. So like do you that. think it was a Hollywood studio thing? Oh yeah, probably oh, right. Stanley okay. Kubrick or something. And it was all there just to uh, to beat the Russians because the Russians had already win in the space race because they put Sputnik. I could go on about this. This mm. was my whole degree because they put Sputnik into space, the little round satellite that just went beep beep. Yeah. Um, so they were winning the space race. And obviously, if you can put men in space, you can send missiles in space dead quick. Um, so America was very scared about that with the USSR. Yeah, the uh, the space race, the arms race, the Cold War in general, real fascinating because it's probably one of the longest wars that have gone on, but it's quite a bloodless one. There's not many actual shots fired. There's not many people dying from it, but there's just constant fear going on from like since the end of World War Two all the way up to like 1989. Just this constant fear in America that Russia's coming to get us, and it, it's it's quite an incredible time. A lot of mad things happen, so. You know, cold off, get on it if you can. Amazing. Um, going back to quickly some other events, uh, more Vietnam War protests, as I said. Uh, PBS um, launch, and they launched Sesame Street. Some of us grew up on the street, the Sesame Street. Come on. Uh, the Manson family commit five murders. Um, and then also famous people born, many actresses. So you got Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger, and Jennifer Aniston. I'll be there for you. Jen Ann. Jen Ann. Um, so yeah so quite a lot there's a lot happening yeah. in uh, in 69 a lot of big big world changing things mm -hmm. as we say which is quite fitting as i said to end this decade of world changing a world changing decade yeah, definitely um music wise uh, space oddity by david bowie comes out led zeppelin 2 uh, abbey road that we've always talked about uh other like noticeable music around that time james brown is going strong Joni mitchell is going strong Dusty in Memphis comes out. Uh, so good, so good. So it's quite a year for music. And up until this point, The Who have had hits. Um, but it was earlier on in the decades, around 1965, with songs like My Generation. We all are quite familiar with that. Um, but they've, had, they've been releasing music and they're getting a bit dissatisfied because... The songs aren't hitting number one. They're kind of hitting the middle of the charts and they're kind of expecting them to go top of the charts, but they're not. And I think one of the reasons is because this is a time when there's a lot of great music out. Um, there's a, and so it's not that what they're releasing is bad, but it's just that um, this is a pretty packed time to be releasing music uh, so yeah so they release uh, or start working on tommy uh, and this is not the first so it's not the first ever uh, rock opera but it's definitely the 
the first notable rock opera. And so you have like concept albums like Sgt. Pepper's, but this is different than that. So a concept album just deals with all the same concepts. Whereas a rock opera is kind of more in depth in the story. So it's a one story that goes all the way through. And so this is probably the first notable one. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's pretty long. It's pretty winding. Adam, give us your first initial thoughts on Tommy by the Who. Um, in one word, awful. Um, it was just a waste <laughs> of my one hour, 15 minutes. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. I'm going to try and keep it PG. I thought this was utter garbage. And I didn't have much. I've got to be honest. I went, possibly went in a bit prejudiced because I'd never really listened to The Who. But what I had heard, I wasn't a big fan of. I did, didn't mind like My Generation and, and Who Are You. They're, they're quite good songs. I think Who Are You might be later on. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, like me and you, we're no strangers to concept albums and rock operas. No. We've had, we listened to Dream Theatre growing up. Um, we're going to talk about Oh, I hope so. Um, so it's six degrees of inner table and stuff like that. So I'm I'm used to long albums, long songs. So I'm, I'm used to it, not a problem. But this one, just up. There was one song I didn't care enough to to read the title of it. But there's one song <laughs> where Roger Daltrey's voice. I thought Roger Daltrey had a decent voice. He doesn't. Garbage. Oh no, he does. Awful. He does have a no, good voice. I didn't rate it at all. Couldn't stand it. If I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to be positive about something. Um, only good thing was some of the guitar was okay. Um, the acoustic guitar on one song towards the beginning it was very good. Um, one of the overtures, I think it kind of it was just like acoustic, possibly nylon string. Mm-hmm. That was good. I'll, I'll give, I'll give him that. Um, don't know why anyone raves about Pinball Wizard. I hear everyone going up Pinball Wizard, Pinball Wizard, garbage, awful song. First of all, is Pinball actually that good? No, <laughs> it's weird. Wasn't that good? You've got, you got a problem possibly. with the original Pinball? Crap. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I. I yeah, d- didn't rate it. Wasted an hour and 15 of my time. I didn't like the Who to begin with, and this <laughs> hasn't changed. This is my final tagline that I wrote down. There's nothing remarkable about this album, apart from how remarkably boring it is. <laughs> wow. And it's just, and I get that it's possibly groundbreaking because it deals with, I'm sure we'll go into this, some quite dark themes. Yeah. Um, like Even the story itself is just a bit... So it was apparently inspired about, by some teaching um, something Barber, Methy Barber, something. yeah, Mehabarba, Mehabarba, uh, and and I, I think there was a true story that it was inspired by as well about a, a kid who was blind, dumb, and deaf, who who was eventually healed or something. Um, I don't, know. I don't yeah, know, maybe. But I just, if I'm going to listen to a rock opera in the future, I'm going to listen to Meatloaf. That's okay. That's great. what I'm saying. Well, can I try and convince you on some of these things? You can try. I, I'm gonna like I didn't love this album either, but. The more I listened to it, the more I kind of researched. I kind of like found things and reasons why this album is okay. (laughs) Is okay. (laughs) Or better than okay. Like, why it should be in this list of top 100 albums. And, you know, I might not convince you about that. But Keith Moon's drumming is brilliant on this album. Is It, it? It is brilliant on this album. There are fills on there. So I was trying to think of all or some of the drummers from the day. So, obviously, you've got a lot of good drummers, but I think he stands up here with, like, Jimi Hendrix and his band. I think some of the, I think he stands up with, like, Cream. You know, I, I don't think it's a great sounding album. I think, like, I heard someone say, wow, this, this album is produced and mixed. It's genius. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, the guitar sound thin. I can't hear the bass in the mix a lot of the time. But, but the drums do sound great. Mm. And he is a pioneering drummer. So if we think about someone like Mike Portnoy uh, from Dream Theatre, he bangs on about Keith Moon. And I never really understood why, but because nobody was doing what Keith Moon was doing before this point. Now, I don't want to hit a nerve here, but if we say Ringo Starr, right? I'm not saying one is better or one is worse. (laughs) So diplomatic. (laughs) Because I, I love Ringo Starr and I love his drumming. But... There's no way that Ringo could play some of the stuff that Keith no, Moon to can be play fair, here. No, to be fair. It's a different type of music, to be fair. It is. It than, is. Than what the Beatles were doing. So I, I, can, I can concede on that point. And listen, Abbey Road, as like a, a musical palette, is like a hundred times better than this album. 
I'm going to say that, and I'm quite firm on it. I'll fight anyone for it. Uh, But, you know, Abbey Road sounds much better. I'll even go as far to say that that Zombies album sounds well better than this. Yeah, I'd say that as well. Yeah, it's well better. I don't understand. I, I understand some of the writing on this, but I don't understand why people can listen to it. I found it quite hard to listen to. But anyway, so Keith Moon's drumming is brilliant. You know, some of the themes that it deals with. So let's get into it. You know, there weren't rock operas before this. So take Dream Theater again. You know, Dream Theater released these albums. Like, we've probably still listened to them. Like, A Change of Seasons, mm. um, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Scenes from a Memory. Scenes from a Memory. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest one. You can see how they have been influenced by The Who here. Mm. Now, they've been influenced by other bands from that time. But if this album didn't exist then I'm going to go on a limb here, but I'm going to say that none of those Dream Theater albums are going to exist. Wow, okay. So I th- I think this is like, I think if you're there in 1969 and someone tells you about this, this album, then you know, I don't know. But if you're if you're there in 1969, say you're a teenager and you've had this, or, or even like mid-20s like, like we are, you've got, you've had this decade of incredible music. And even you've liked the Who when they first came out, and let's say you're either an American guy or you're a, you're a British guy, you've had this incredible decade of music. What is going to draw you to sitting down for an hour and fifteen minutes, flipping over? I think it's got it'll be about four discs, yeah, four, you know, records. What's going to draw you to sit down for for that long? Unless you're stoned, you're not going <laughs> to want to sit down for that long, and it's a grind. And I don't think I don't think a rock opera. I don't think a story, I don't think an album should be a grind. I don't think there should be, you know, seven minute overtures with not a lot happening. And Roger no. Daltrey's crap voice going no, over it's it. Not, that, it's not crap, man. It's thin and whiny. I oh, didn't rate man. it. There are, some, there are some bits where it's really strong, you know. I, when he's singing, touch me, heal me, see me, feel me. I think, like, it's beautiful. I think it really sounds good. It's really high. It's beautiful. He's trying to, like, get over the like this young boy who's deaf dumb and blind you know he's trying to show that and showcase that i I think he does it pretty well i mean i i'm not a a fan of the who but i'm not sure you know i think some of the performances on this album are better than some of his other ones to be honest Mm. so i mean that might show you what the other stuff is like but let's let's go through a bit of the album anyway so because it's a rock opera i'm kind of like just going to tell you the story um in like a two minute (laughs) Uh, segment but Tommy is about a boy who is deaf dumb and blind obviously uh, we've already said that uh, but he is isn't born deaf dumb and blind he becomes deaf dumb and blind because he sees his stepfather murdering his father okay mm. and so uh, and then his parents say oh you didn't see a thing you won't speak of it you didn't hear a thing you know all this and that leads him to being having the trauma of uh, being deaf, deaf, dumb, and blind, and you know this story is not fun. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's not. not. It's really a bit grim. And so from that point on, um, you know his parents struggle to deal with Tommy and and understand his um, you know disability, and so they kind of talk about there's this like iconography of Christmas. You know he doesn't know who Jesus is. He, he doesn't play like all the other kids. He won't get presents, which is really sad. And then it goes on to say, and how can he even be saved? Yeah, that, that line did grab me. I was um, like, that's, I'm not something about that. I'm like, that's disgusting. Like, I don't think some of these themes have aged well. Like maybe yeah. the way they were thinking about it back then. And we're going to go on to what the album really means anyway in a little bit. But I thought like, just because you're disabled doesn't mean you can't be saved just because you can't mm. hear the word of God or whatever. It's like, this is, it's, an interesting it's archaic, isn't it? Like, I think it's actually mm-hmm. an archaic thought process. So anyway, so they deal with that. They try and get doctors in. The doctor says that the only way to have him healed is to sit him in front of a mirror. And so he says that he can't be healed. <laughs> and uh, But try and sit him in front of the mirror and see what happens. Uh, he also gets bullied by his cousin. 
And it's quite, you know, I know this happened in the 60s, but they talk about him being left out in the rain so he dies of a cold and things like that. They talk about him sticking pins through his fingernails or through his fingers, all things like this. And I just think it's so, it's a bit graphic and it's a bit grim. Mm. And he is also a made-to-sleep-with a prostitute. And I'm, I'm not sure if his parents make him do this, but it seems like his parents are the people who are saying... We want to find a way of healing them. So they make a kid sleep with a prostitute. And the prostitute says, oh, I'm going to make this boy a man. And I'm like, that's disgusting. It's a strong thing to have in a song, isn't it? Um, crazy, isn't it? There were a couple of times during this album, especially in one of the songs I think you're going to mention in a minute, where I had to rewind because like, did I just hear that right? Mm. Is that what this song is about? Yeah. Is that what this part of the story is about? And, and it was. And it was. Yeah, the... the it goes on that his he ends up being abused by his uncle, which is what we we're just talking about there. And then uh, his mother smashes the mirror in frustration, and he gets healed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and at the same time as this, he finds out he's a pinball wizard. And now I I don't understand and I don't know, but how can yeah. someone be a pinball wizard if they can't if they're deaf or blind? I'm like, there's a couple of lines about how. Because later on it goes about how he becomes this kind of cult figure and like people start to follow him and people start to think of him as some sort of messiah. And he he trains them in the way of being pinball wizards because I think there's a line something about you need to cover your eyes, cover your ears, and you just need to feel yeah. the pinball. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, he seems to have all these, these superpowers because he's deaf, dumb and blind that he can feel the pinball. And that's where this kind of starts to become a bit absurd for me. It's like... Yeah. A bit ridiculous. Well, there is a higher meaning to all this, so we're going to get onto that. But you're right. Then what happens is when he's healed, he starts to get all these followers and he's on big stages. And some of the stories are based on real events where they saw the doors and a woman got pushed off stage and she cut her face open and she had this gash. Uh, and so that is conveyed in this, uh, in one of the songs here. And then he ends up having like a cult following, but the cult following doesn't just stay like a kind of fun thing. It turns into a cult, like a literal cult. And like you said, they, he's he's training them. And there's this whole kind of where they go to a camp and um, it's very English, but kind of like stereotype. Hidey high campers. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, isn't it? And then... Anyway, it ends with his followers saying, no, I'm not going to follow you. In fact, I'm going to do the things to you, Tommy, that your uncle did to you. Which I'm just like, and that's how it ends. It doesn't end on any good notes. It ends with this guy getting too big for his boots, you know, and having this cult, which I mean isn't good anyway. And then, um, and then, yeah, they say, well, we're going to, we're going to rape you and we're going to do terrible things to you. And I just, I think, you know what? This album lacks taste lyrically. Yeah. It lacks a lot of taste and it, I don't think it's aged well at all. Now, The Who would sing when you listen to interviews that this isn't about a boy who is deaf, dumb and blind at all, but this is actually about this Mehababa's teaching that they're trying to convey over this whole album. And so everybody has felt like, you know, I feel me, you know, hear me, see me, heal me. Like everyone, everyone has felt those feelings. Like, is anyone, can anyone see me? Can anyone feel me? Like, am I making a difference in the world? And so they would say that, you know, we in the sixties and the late sixties, youth culture was turning away from drugs because they've done all that, and they're turning to, you know, when we were talking about Vietnam and how people are looking to change the world instead, and we see that mm-hmm. from John Lennon in the 70s, and it's specifically in this year, he does a bedding this year, yeah. he gets married to Yoko Ono, and their honeymoon is a protest, you know, and a, an amazing, like, pop culture moment, and this is part of that, where they're saying, you know, what drugs didn't sort anything out, mm. actually, there's a higher being, there's a higher power. And so the Beatles have gone to India and they've done their whole thing. You know, Pete Townsend has done the same thing, found his own teachings. And you know, that's the song by the Beatles, Sexy Sadie, about the teachings and how, you know, they were manipulated out there and John Lennon's song there is kind of similar to what this album is here. Now, I know which one I'd rather listen to. Well, but that's what they're trying to, perceive and show here so 
when you say, oh, these lyrics are quite distasteful, I think they'd say, yeah, they are, but that's not what it's about. Mm. Now, I, I don't know if this has helped the disabled community in some of the ways that it's been talked about, and that's not something for me to say or to, you know, to have a word on, because I don't know, but I can imagine that, you know, it's not really helpful, this stuff. Yeah, it's probably done more harm than good. Um, it's a really interesting vehicle for them to try and try and get these thoughts across. They're kind of in this rock opera with layered meanings because a lot of people, especially in the first couple of listens, unless they read these interviews to go along with it, they're not going to read into it deeper. They're just going to take it as this very strange story about this uh, about this kid. So yeah. it's a strange vehicle for them to to purvey these thoughts. Definitely. Yeah, and I do think that I do totally understand that. Like, you know, I found appreciation from this album by doing a lot of research into it. Mm. And with some of the greatest albums, like that Bob Dylan album, I could have listened to that without any context. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, that that's kind of Tommy in a nutshell. And there's, you know, there's a lot of it. There's, it's very ambiguous at times. You know, the story isn't even that straightforward. Like we've mm. made it clear there, but when you're listening to it, you're like, "What? What's even going on?" And some of the overtures and undertures, oh, they're just bad. They're just yeah. musically bad. Uh, I don't really understand. I'd, I'd love to hear someone's opinion on this, so and try and convince me why this is a good album. Because honestly, I would love to listen to them because I just found it really difficult uh, to get into. To some notable songs, I'm not sure you've got any, but Pinball Wizard, like, you know, people do love that song. And if you watch a live performance of it, it's really fun. So uh, that's what I was going to say, if I could just jump in. Yeah. The people do say that what made this album great is actually all these live performances. So the, we talked about the Isle, well, we talked about some of the music festivals. So the Who Went to the Isle of Wight Festival, yeah. and apparently their performance of, of Tommy and, and Pinball Wizard really took off. And like apparently the stage shows of this have been have been fantastic. Yeah. So there must be something in it when it's performed live that makes it a bit different, yeah. maybe. And they they are really good live. It might not be your taste musically, but they are a show. You know, don't don't go for anything after two thousand and ten. Like again, a bit old, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But but like literally some of the stuff in the seventies is so cool, and like you will be amazed by like Keith Moon's drumming. Honestly, mm. uh, we're both drummers here, Adam. You know. When I, no, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. But, but you know, <laughs> there we are. But you know, this honestly, his drumming is amazing, and there are mm. bits of this album that are hard to listen to. But his drumming makes up for it. So anyway, some highlights: Pinball Wizards, gone. Uh, the Acid Queen is musically amazing. Now, thematically, this is the song that was talking about the prostitute sleeping with a boy, and so that might be a bit troubling for you. But musically, it's really good. And go to the mirror. Uh, I think it sounds really psychedelic. The drumming is really good. Go and check it out. Go and have a listen. If you like it, you know, we're glad that you found something that you enjoy. You know, there are people that... So my lecturer in university was a big um, mod, right? And he loved The Who. And I... I don't know. I'd love to have got him on this and for him to have mm. said what he thinks about it. Because this, this, uh, this album got made into... A movie, <laughs> like ten years later, it's crazy, isn't it? I didn't watch the movie in the end, but um, I didn't. I didn't either. But I think it had some quite quite famous people in it. If we yeah, it did. Elton cast. John was in it. Yeah, um, obviously Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend themselves. Um, Jack Nicholson is in it. Uh, Tina Turner is in it. She's the Acid Queen. Um, Eric Clapton's in it uh, as a preacher. Um, who else is in it? There's got to be some more famous people. No, they're pretty much the the most famous yeah. people. But yeah, big big names. And you know what? We might be missing something here, and so we're happy to say maybe we just don't get it. And so <laughs> if there is someone that gets it and wants to tell us differently, like I I really tried my hardest with this album, but I mean I don't think I'm gonna ever listen to it again. <laughs> so there we go. But anyway, we're gonna compare it to an album from. Um, 2020 and I said 1920 for that that's because there's a song <laughs> called 1921 on the Who album uh, I was like I'm not in 1920 and so we are going to go for the latest Harry Styles album 
which I'm really excited to talk about. And that's called Fine Line. This is his second solo album for anyone who doesn't know who Harry Styles is. I'm not sure you've been, uh, but he used to be in One Direction. Now he isn't because they're not together at the moment. Um, but this is his second album. And where you may have thought, you know, Harry Styles. So this album actually came out last year and it's mm. still in the charts. It's still really big. And while One Direction are quite poppy, he is like king of alternative, mm. which is quite a strong thing to say about somebody. Uh, but <laughs> but I think this album is really good. What did you think of this album, Adam? Yeah, big fan, big fan. So I really enjoyed the first album. <clears throat> the uh, the first album took me by surprise because I wasn't sure. If you look back at my tweets from like 2015, 2013, whenever One Direction started, not a One Direction fan, <clears throat> uh, slating them to high heaven. Um, but I gave his first album a go, really liked it, was very excited for his second album, and I was not disappointed. Um, yeah, it's just it's just solid. There's a couple of quite commercial songs in there, um, which you'd expect, things like um, some of the songs like Lights Up and Adore You, but they're still solid, but then the kind of second half of the album really comes into its own, as you say, of that alternative. I think I think calling him like the modern king of alternative isn't isn't too wrong um because just just solid songs like canyon moon treat people with kindness which is really weird but like it's really good she which is a bit of a ballad a bit of a almost surrealist ballad in some parts um one of the interesting things i, I think you'll like this matt um during the recording uh harry styles was inspired by david bowie van morrison and Joni mitchell uh, and Joni mitchell's album blue which was released in 71 and um, used a, a dulcimer which he was really inspired by. And um, this particularly influenced the album's musical style. So Harry Styles tracked down the woman who built the dulcimer used in Mitchell's album and requested wow. lessons. And she would go on to build him his own dulcimer, which he used during the album's recording. Hey, that is cool. So there's a there's a bit of history in this album. Yeah. You know, it's it's looking back to to the music that, that he really enjoys and, and that's really popular. Um, and it's taken bits from it, which I think a lot of good artists do. Mm. They kind of draw on that inspiration and add things to it. Um, so, yeah, real strong. Also, another fact, full of facts for this album. As you can tell, I, I like this album a lot more than the, than the Who's one. So um, it was the last number one of the 2010s and the first one of the Billboard 200 of the 2020s. Wow. So it's got a bit of, bit of interest in history. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. very strong album. Did you enjoy it? What did you think about it? I enjoyed it, you know. You know, something you said there about him is really interesting. Sometimes we think of like pop idol X Factor people as just pop idiots. You know, they're just like puppets. Uh, but Harry Styles isn't one of them. And you showed that with that story there about him. He he knows music and he is interested in music. And he, more than interested, he is like paving a way here, you know, doing really well. And you know, something that I thought, we've talked about every week how things are in a genre. Mm. And last week we struggled to put that album in a genre. And I think we're out of, who cares about genres anymore? Like, mm -hmm. I think people will, f like, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, which became more prominent, like, if you were into punk, you were into punk. And that was it. Yeah. If you were into heavy metal, if you were into heavy metal and you wouldn't move across to it, you know what I mean? You'd stay on that thing. Whereas I think Harry Styles and other artists at the moment are showing that you can do alternative music and you can do other mu and you can listen to other stuff and it's all one big game. I think the uh, the myth of the genre might be over. Yeah, we're definitely in a, in a post-genre world. That's a good way to talk uh, about it. Yeah, definitely. It's a very academic way of talking about it, but yeah, I think I think that's definitely where we're at. Um, and I'm just excited for for what else he's he's got to do. Yeah. Um, I think the more he kind of grows in in age and and also like ability, um, I think his albums are going to get a bit more wild and wild. I he might do his own rock opera one day. Who knows? Um, but I, I think I think he's definitely an artist worth worth getting excited about definitely and um, which i again never thought i'd say about someone who came from the x factor yeah but i think he's definitely a success story yeah, and, and a, a bit. i always find it imagine if he wouldn't have never gone to the x factor or imagine if he just you know was late or got told no and then this album wouldn't exist 
and then the other albums and it, it might inspire it might not but it might inspire later on might not exist so there's this whole there could be this whole alternative history about things mm. that didn't happen but yeah it's yeah. um it's, it's really good isn't it some yeah. songs that i really love uh golden just a really strong album opener a great beat and feel really catchy great rock palette like great drumming great vocals everything about it you know i think that the who's album tommy sounds a little bit thin mm. this album doesn't sound thin it sounds That's great right. it sounds really good and obviously they're in different worlds but you know i don't think this sounds thin at all sunflower volume six or vol six another great palette great vibe it's got that psychedelic vibe to it great bass playing you know and the bass playing on on tommy is really good too but it's just it's in the back of the mix mm. you know the the who are known for their bass playing and i didn't really hear much of it on this album there, were, there was a bass solo in one of the overtures and it was really good but it was mm. kind of sat in the background whereas I, th- I think the whole mix on this album is really good so we do this thing where we keep one album and we leave one album so if we had the power to delete one from existence or we're gonna only be able to keep one album which album are we gonna pick and so as i think i know the answer but which album are you going to keep and which one are you putting in the bin um so fine line stays um and tommy along with the who get thrown out into the cold pete townsend roger dolce get out of here oh my goodness Um, not a fan not a fan. Not a fan. Do you know what? I'm doing the same thing, right? I, mm. I'm not as strong. Like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to listen to Tommy again, I don't think. But, I, you know, Fine Line is definitely staying in my playlist. Really in my playlist, in my music. Just really good, really strong. I really, really liked it. Um, and I hadn't really listened. I listened to A Sign of the Times off the last album. Mm. But I've really got into this album here, and I think it's really great. So... Harry Styles, you're you're a keeper. And do you know what? I think this is the first time we've both kept the new album. I think it might be. I think it must be. So there we go. So, you know, the times they are changing, as someone (laughs) famous once said. Uh, Okay, great. So let's rate this Who album. I'm kind of, I've been thinking about this all week, Adam. And I've been thinking, what is Adam going to rate this The Who album? And... I'm kind of worried about what you're going to say, but uh, what are you going to rate it? 0.5. <laughs> and that's and that's generous, I've got to be honest. Um, originally, I was thinking, oh, it could be a one. No, 0.5. It only doesn't get a, not a north, a zero, because, um, you know, I think that would be disrespectful to any music. Something's got to be really bad for it to be a zero, like unlistenable to um, but a 0.5 isn't disrespectful. No, no, I think this is. I think again, I think it's a bit kind. If I could go for a 0.2, I would, but 0.5. You can do. You can do whatever you want. We'll we'll stick with 0.5. Okay, great. And you know what? This is just our own opinion. So if you find <laughs> if you find that you love this album, like please talk to it. Like don't kick off with us. Like we want to talk about it. We're happy to talk about it. Um, but I mean, you Ch- may you, change my mind. Yeah, you may not change be happy about what. Adam says, when I was writing these down just then, I called you Tommy instead of Adam. That's, that's <laughs> awful. That's rude. I've got wow. all confused. <laughs> that won't be your new nickname. You know, I'm not going to give it much better. But I think I'm going to give it a 2.5. Mm. In fact, that's half, isn't it? That's half a five. I mean, that, that's half. Oh, man, just kidding. It, it's yeah. like proving us so I, bad here. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah, it is, yeah. I'm going for a two. What, what what are the reasons? Do you, do you know what? A two is harsh because I would love people to go and listen to Dream Theatre. And I know Dream Theatre isn't everyone's cup of tea. And I know 40-minute songs might be difficult for you. But they are musically, I mean, just incredible. Just incredible. And, mm-hmm. you know, just as a teenager... They changed my musical world. I've never been able to play any dream theatre. You know what I mean? I'm not not that good a musician, but they are so good. And I don't think they would exist without in the same way. So so I think a two, I think a 0.5 is definitely harsh. I think a two is harsh as well. Uh, and so I can see what this album did, you know, for the world. But I mean, <laughs> I probably won't listen again. 
I'd rather listen to Sly and the Family Stone for 10,000 years over this. I'd rather listen to, to Tory Lanez, the new Toronto 3. <laughs> Good on. old Tony. He's you back. know what I mean? Good old Tony Lanez. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Uh, w- <laughs> would you reconsider uh, the Zombies album after this? Yeah, because the Zombies album told stories as well, but they were at least good and fun stories, like um, Care of Prison Cell, that that first one. Mm-hmm. That's a story. It has a good story, and it's punchy, and it's interesting, and musically it was better. Its voice doesn't sound too bad. you know. And it's a dark album, album as well, and it still deals with those album. topics. Yeah, absolutely, but better and more nuanced and just... So, yeah. I, I would change my zombies rating. I'd put that higher wow. now that I've listened to this garbage. I tell you, honestly, honest, ah, I was listening to it and I was like, I need to call Matt. I need to tell him, why is he making me do this? <laughs> this episode just needs to be scrapped. Amazing. But now it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't go into it. Yeah, for the, for the, you don't want Adam to go into it because when when we finished last week's record, he used a five letter word beginning with S that uh, <laughs> to describe this album, and he did the same as soon as we start. I said, "How are you feeling about this week?" And he just used the same word straight away. So, Sorry, mum. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can see that this has riled you a little bit, and so you know, I'll let it go. It's gone. It's forgotten. I'm not sure there's any more Who albums in this list, though. It shouldn't be any. Man. If any get higher than 90, it's disrespectful to music. <laughs> it's disrespectful and shouldn't. And Rolling Stone magazine should be finished. According to you. That's what I'm saying. According to me. I did know, actually, just going back to this. So it got 96, didn't it? 96 was the in the 2003 when they revisited it. In, 95. So when they revisited it in 2012 and redid the list, it got the same position. So it's a, it's a non-mover. In the in the old and the new list, um, so that 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 maybe says something about it. So I saw. I mean, I don't follow comments on YouTube. I mean, I love comments on YouTube, but not for any good reason. But I saw someone saying um, there is no Who album that doesn't have just a bit of crap on it, <laughs> and I was like, I can kind of get behind that because some of it is okay, and some of it you might consider good. But the you know what. There's definitely a lack of consistency, isn't there? I, do you know what? You know what I'm going to take away from this album? And this will be what? the last thing I say. Everyone should go and listen to Abbey Road. 100%. It's a different world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's an mm-hmm. absolutely different world. Because you know what? They've got like that end piece. Go and listen to Golden Slumbers. Mm. And do you know what I mean? And then, and then tell me, then tell me that this who album even is worthy of tying its laces. You know what I mean? It's nowhere near. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, there we go. We've done. The, you know what? We're not just going to do albums. This is what I like about this process. We're not just going to do albums that we love. And that's really yeah. good. That's really, really good. And it's going to expand our minds. It's going to show us new things. And so there we go. We've done it. The who, Tommy. <laughs> Get in the bin. See you later. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Why don't you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already? This is your first time. It's so good to have you. If you've got this far, welcome. <laughs> what a one to join. What a one to join, Sorry. yeah. So it's been great to see you. You can follow us on uh, Instagram at LVNilo uh, individually. I'm at Matt Courtney Music and Adam is at Adam Courtney 95 That's the one. Uh, I realised... We've been saying, get in touch, get in touch. We have an email address and we've never given it out. Oh, wow. I know. Elvinilopodcast at gmail.com. Right at the top of it, in the subject, Adam. And then you can put all your abuse there. You can you can give him all the grief when he's slated and given all your five-letter <laughs> five words and four-letter words about the albums that you love. Uh- Welcoming opinions from Zombies fans and uh, the Who fans and, and anyone else, yeah. really, uh, c- come at me. Yeah, honestly, but we we would love to have, that's just a bit of a joke, but we could we would love to have like <laughs> your uh, feedback and your thoughts on these albums. So that's uh, podcast at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind, why don't you leave us a positive review on iTunes? We would love that. If you've got this far, we're just so grateful and so blessed. And we're just trying to share a little bit of joy and have a little bit of a good time. It's been hard with this album to do that, but here we are anyway. So hopefully hopefully you've enjoyed just seeing Adam a bit rattled. 
Uh, I've enjoyed See, it. You say I'm the only one rattled. You keep you keep making these snarky little comments. Come on, you're just as <laughs> yeah, rattled. True. Okay, you're just okay. better at hiding. Nah, I'm not as rattled as you about this album. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. But we will get there. I tell you what. If I have to talk about Sly and the Family Stone being ahead of wow. Bob Dylan again, I'll tell you what. I'll kick off. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> Adam, do you want to know what next week's album is? I absolutely want to know. Amazing. So next week's album is from the year after, so 1970. And it is Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. So we're going jazz. We're going jazz. We're going out of our comfort zone. And we so. even have a special guest joining us next week. And so Hello. all will be revealed. But our resident jazz expert, not talking <laughs> them up too much, but here we go, is going to be joining us So because uh, we need some help with this album. And Absolutely. you know what? I thought we would start telling people what we're going to use to compare it to as well so that we could listen to two albums a week and we could see what we think against it so we're going to be listening to what kind of music by tom mish and yusuf Deyes, uh, and so i'm excited about that and this week i'm going to learn how to say tom mish because i don't say it right <laughs> <laughs> so next week you'll have a better pronunciation from me but there you go so it's been great to see you all adam it's been great to chat been wonderful really enjoyed it really enjoyed it and we will see you next week for episode six and we're looking at bitches brew by miles davis i'm so excited it's gonna be good i can't wait have a good week everyone see you then take care